Hi there, I'm AR and this is the 28th log and this is quite exciting folks, the first experiment on Pokemon. Welcome to the Lore Research Lab. Today's thesis, what is a Nuzlocke and how does it work? It is time to deep dive. There is no other way to start this episode, um, this log, other than uh, starting off by defining what exactly a Nuzlocke is. So I won't go into the history of the term or things like that, but I will be explaining some of the key rules. A Nuzlocke is one of those self-imposed challenges that can make a Pokemon game more difficult for the player. There are other games out there, and there are other various challenges out there. So the focus here today is just looking at what a Nuzlocke is and how this applies to Pokemon games. Here are the main rules that constitute the challenge. Number one, if a Pokemon faints, it is considered dead. Players must either release the fainted Pokemon or put them in the uh, PC box, which is the Pokemon like storage system, to store away and never be used again. All Pokemon must be nicknamed in order to form strong bonds. Third, you can only catch the first Pokemon encountered um, in a route and nothing else. If that Pokemon faints or flees from battle, there are no second chances. Okay, there are a couple rules out there. Um, some that are commonly used among people who do these challenges, um, but these are the main three. You'll hear about some other commonly used rules, but let's dissect these ones a bit more. So I mentioned that in my introduction to Pokemon that you can't actually lose in a Pokemon game. There's no game over screen, if you will. But if every Pokemon in your party faints, you can no longer battle the trainer you were facing and you must return to the Pokemon Center to heal. Um, in which case you would have to face that trainer all over again until you are strong enough to beat them. Once you beat them, you don't have to go back and face them again. In a Nuzlocke though, there is a sense of finality. If your Pokemon faints, that's it. It can never be used again and it's actually considered dead. Of course it isn't dead, quote unquote, but in a manner of speaking, it is. So if you abide by the rules, you can't use it again. In Pokemon games, you are always given the option to nickname a Pokemon, so I feel like that rule is a bit self-explanatory. But I'm not gonna lie, that actually kind of, it actually works in terms of forming stronger bonds. Finally, the third rule, the root rule. Anyone who plays Pokemon knows um, all the roots in a given game. Each root usually is in some kind of numbered order, or maybe there's like a name to it, I don't know. The game will always tell you when you enter a new area or route, for example. Interesting thing about this rule is that any location can potentially be counted as a route, not limited to just the ones the players travel on between cities. What I mean by this is that even for some cities, for example, have ponds, and along the way players can acquire a fishing rod to fish for Pokemon. That means that even in cities um, where you can't naturally catch Pokemon, if they have a pond, for example, that can count towards uh, a viable route to catch Pokemon on. So the first thing you fish for, that's what you can catch. As mentioned in the intro episode uh, to Pokemon, there are many Pokemon the player can encounter on a given route. So under normal circumstances, players have many options. You, gen you can generally just pick whatever the heck you want. 
um, whatever team members you want to use. With this very limiting rule, you can only catch the first thing that attacks, that attacks you and nothing else. Whether or not the Pokemon is a good one no longer matters. It could be a it could be a very mediocre Pokemon. It could be a very good Pokemon. In any case, that's what you have to work with. As an additional subset to this rule, if you fail to catch a certain Pokemon and it re reappears on another route, you still have to catch it on that following route. So basically, if you don't catch something the first time, um, then you're gonna have to catch it again if you happen to run into it again, because some Pokemon do appear on multiple routes. And obviously that's a big incentive to just, as part of the Nuzlocke, to catch whatever the heck you find, because you don't want to get stuck running into the same thing over and over again just because you couldn't catch it the first time. There are some additional rules that again are commonly used as part of the, of the challenge, um, but I just wanted to cover the main three. So long as the player consistently adheres to these rules, any of the games in the franchise become more difficult, uh, genuinely. If you imagine like a Pokemon, like a team member of your Spain team while facing a gym leader or an elite four member or any other major trainer battles, that would be devastating and terrible because then you need to consider who am I going to use instead? What else do I have in the PC that I could potentially use on the team? It's all those kinds of questions and new questions that you wouldn't normally have when playing a Pokemon game. However, with all that said, here's the thing. The reason I have even decided to make this episode because I feel like it would be way too short to dedicate an entire log to just talking about, oh, what a Nuzlocke is. Okay, discussion over, have fun. Um, I, earlier this year, um, and by that I mean like a couple months ago, um, I, I actually tried one of my own. I tried a Nuzlocke. So I had never tried one until the year of 2020. I had been playing Pokemon for almost my entire life. But again, it wasn't until 2020, um, roughly middle of the year that I decided to try one of my own. And technically the, the challenge went over a couple of months because I wasn't necessarily playing the game every day. Summer school was a thing. So it's like, whatever, That that is what it is. I have watched other videos of people playing Pokemon games with this challenge in place. So I, I knew exactly what I was getting myself into. I knew all the rules cold. I knew all the things that I was looking forward to doing. I looked, I researched, it's like, okay, who's gonna have this? Who's gonna have what? Cause that doesn't go against the rules. Researching what uh, Pokemon other trainers you'll face have, I thought it would be an important consideration in, because if I'm gonna lose anyone at some point, I need to know what I'm getting myself into. I embarked on my first ever Nuzlocke challenge a couple months ago, playing Pokemon Platinum, which was released in 2009 during Generation 4. I didn't get it the year it was sold, but that is what it is. This game is um, like other Pokemon games that have appeared in the core series. Um, is the trio? It completes the trio of the main Gen 4 games. Um, I realize I didn't bring this up in my intro, but actually you not every generation has this, but there have been remakes of previous generations. So within generation four as well, you also had the remakes for the generation two games. So it was gold, silver, crystal. In generation four, they remade it to heart, gold, and soul, silver. There wasn't a remake for crystal, but they remade gold and silver to heart, gold, and soul, silver. So it has the same graphics as Pokemon Diamond and Pearl and Platinum. So Pokemon Platinum is like Diamond and Pearl with some added features and technical improvements. So in that sense, it's not vastly different. One major change though is the tweaks in the story since legendary Pokemon in this game is different from the one you encounter in Diamond and Pearl, uh, respectively. 
So you're gonna hear it now. The following section is me narrating my first ever Nuzlocke and how it went. And I, I, I hope it's entertaining. I, I try to be funny. Admittedly, I'm not the funniest, but you know, cause it, it was interesting. I wanted to uh, record in the sense that like I wrote down basically all the emotions and things I was feeling as I was going through my first ever Nuzlocke. I thought that would be fun. I did this sometime in advance before, so I definitely already had an idea in mind to like, I don't know, record this for maybe an audience. Like I, I, I wanted to do something like that. So I definitely had that consideration in the back of my mind, but I've, I actually recorded that um, sometime earlier. So I'm actually gonna be concluding the episode here. Like, Kind of around now since i think it'd be more fun for you to just hear me rant um and go on about the nuzlocke experience without some kind of awkward out of place ending kind of thing so i'm just going to kind of end it here as some last minute housekeeping i have in the description some links uh about the nuzlocke the pokemon found in Sinnoh, and a map of Sinnoh because uh i don't go over a lot of information because I don't, I didn't want to spend too much time explaining things. That being said, for some reason, the recording of me narrating the entire Nuzlocke experience took like an hour. So I was like, great, this is fun. This is, this is perfectly fine. But uh, I don't explain everything. So in terms of moves, Pokemon, the story itself, roughly speaking, I, I will run you through it, but not precisely. So if you are not familiar with this information, I recommend you take a look at the Nuzlocke rules, um, uh, all the Pokemon that can be found in Sinnoh because that's all I use in the game, and then a map of the region so you can roughly plot the route that the player goes on like the journey. Um, maybe I do mention some things here and there, but again, I don't go into a lot of depth. So if you aren't as informed, as you think you will be, then maybe like quickly check out those links and come back here when you're ready. If you already know what a Nuzlocke is, you already know the storyline of Pokemon Platinum Cold, you know Pokemon, you know all that, all that stuff, perfectly fine. You can continue listening. Be prepared for a lot of, I don't know, emotion? Frustration? I, voice cracking for sure, you will definitely hear. I don't know, whatever it is, just be prepared. Hopefully you'll enjoy yourself. This was the Lore Research Lab's findings on what a Nuzlocke is and how it works from Pokemon. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I'll see you next time. And now enjoy listening to Past AR. Warning for headphone users. Have fun! So I left my house in Twin Leaf Town and then I was bombarded by my super noisy neighbor, Barry. And, you know, he's known for being like, for talking fast and being super impatient. He went on about something about getting like Pokemon at the lake nearby, Lake Verity, but neither of us had any Pokemon. And the only way to catch other Pokemon is to have Pokemon. So I literally had no idea what this was going on about. Of course, conveniently after we leave Twin Leaf Town, literally like five steps after Professor Rowan finds us fools and, you know, he decides to give us uh, some Pokemon. So I'm a little bit like fire type biased. Like I tend to pick fire type starters when I play a Pokemon game. So I picked the uh, fire monkey Chimchar and I named 
them Tiffin. So Tiffin was the first member of my team. After running some errands for grown adults, getting the Pokedex from Professor Rowan, and then getting my first couple of Pokeballs, the Nuzlocke had officially begun. I first caught Domino the Shinx, then backtracked to the last two routes um, and the lake included in there to catch Ori the Starly and Berg the Bidoof. Bless Berg's soul, honestly. You're gonna learn why in a sec. After some grinding and some close calls with some wild, uh, wild Pokemon, it was time for my first set of trainer battles, which actually went quite well. So, you know, I had a team of uh, a team of four now, which is a good start, I think. Um, then after passing through Sand Gem Town, beating those trainers, and then going to Jubilee City, it was time to recruit some new team members. I had a couple options. So I went to the like two routes that I, I knew I wanted to catch stuff on. First was a Badoo on the route just north of uh, Jubilee City. I caught the Badoo and named it Hibiscus. And then I caught a Zubat in the Ravage Path, which was just north of this route where I caught the Badoo. After Hibiscus joined the team, it was time to start grinding again because I knew on the route east of Jubilee City, a battle with Barry was imminent. That battle was like, I don't know, it was kind of scary a little bit, kind of sort of, but you know, we pulled through. Um, and once I got the encounter on this route, I was low-key, super pissed because, um, uh, what's it called? It was an Abra and uh, Abra, Abra's only move, at least at level four, I don't remember the level I encountered it at, but that the only move it has is teleport and teleport can just warp the Pokemon out of battle if it's used. So I only had one chance to catch this thing, but luck was totally on my side and I actually managed to catch the Abra. I named it Zen Zen, but I didn't actually have any intention of using it. Um, so then I caught a couple other things. I When I headed to the next city, Orberg City, there was a mine in the city, Orberg, make kind of makes sense. Um, and I found an Onyx in the mine, but it, it almost wiped my team. I didn't lose anyone trying to catch it, but I wasted all of my Pokeballs on it, so I just ended up killing it. So I forgot the levels for the first gym in, or in Orberg City. I forgot the levels for the first gym. But you know, I've played this game before. I've played Pokemon Platinum before. I've played Pokemon in general. I should be you know, that's what I thought. I was not. I hadn't grinded enough to deal with uh, Rorik's level 14 Onyx, which ended up killing Hibiscus despite the type advantage. Like, I, I thought that was the sensible decision, but you know, that first death really hurt, not gonna lie. And then, I don't know, at some point I felt the need to sacrifice uh, Zen's and the Abra, so unfortunately Zen's then also had to bite it. Berg like, ended up saving the team's bacon because everyone else on the team was weak to whatever the Onyx had. I believe the Geodude that Rourke had out first, I dealt with just fine. Like Hibiscus was great, but unfortunately I lost Hibiscus and I did get my first gym badge. So things were great. I did a tad bit more grinding and then made my way through the Ravage Path to get to head northwards to Floraroma Town. That was when I ran into twins Liv and Liz. I defeated one of their Pachirisus. Both of them had Pachirisus, um, but I only managed to kill one of them. The surviving one used this move called Bide. After storing energy for two turns, Bide will do like a calculated amount of damage um, and tends to do a high amount of damage if it lands. I had I, I knew that this was coming and I, I knew that the current Pokemon I had, whoever that was, maybe it was like, um, it was probably Berg and Domino or something. I knew that they couldn't tank the hit. So in an effort to keep the team whole, I sent out Tiffin. But I, I, maybe I miscalculated or something. I don't know where I messed up, but for some reason, I, I lost Tiffin 
right there, Tiffin's journey was done. When Biden landed, that was it, Tiffin was gone. I think that's when the Nuzlocke felt real because I have never played a single Pokemon game without my starter Pokemon. Cause I have a huge like emotional attachment to them, but this was huge for me. And I keep harping on it time to time as I play and talk to myself. And I just, God, it was just so harrowing. And I was planning to abide by the rules. You know, I'm gonna stick by the rules. I'm not gonna revive this thing and break that rule. So that hurt even more. Um, so the team was down to three and I was ready to give up. I caught a couple other like encounters on the previous route, like, oh, sorry, on the succeeding routes, but it didn't really matter to me. Like they weren't gonna be Pokemon that were helpful for the team. I evolved Berg into a Bibarel, and then I also evolved Domino into a Luxio and Ori into a Staravia. So Berg was fully evolved. Domino and Ori were almost fully evolved. So at least the team was ramping up some strength despite losing my starter. After battling tons of trainers, catching a bunch of useless encounters and stuff, making my way through Eterna Forest and then heading to Eterna City, I had to prepare for the gym battle against Gardenia who uses grass type Pokemon. So obviously having Ori would come in clutch because you know, Ori is a bird flying super effective against grass. Um, I caught some other encounters, but they both ended up dying while I was grinding. So I don't even feel the need to mention them. The team remained at three Pokemon basically while I was training up for this next gym. Uh, but you know, Ori really carried and I was able to squeeze by and I got my second badge without too much trouble. On the next route that I was able to go on, I encountered a Ponyta, which is, it's like a, it's like a fire horse looking thing. And I needed a fire type so badly. One, it was a Pokemon I sorely needed to fill the hole that Tiffin left behind. So the problem was I had no way of damaging this Pokemon without potentially killing it. And I was running low on Pokeballs, but it actually worked out in the end and I managed to catch it. So I welcomed Zephyr the Ponyta to the team. Then while I was doing some excavating, thanks to this item called an Explorer Kit, um, I managed to dig up a fossil, a skull fossil, I think it's called. And um, it was a Cranidos. So I revived the fossil um, uh, and welcomed Cranidos to the team and named her Odessa. The team was finally feeling whole again. I had a team of five. I had Domino the, uh, Domino the Luxio. I had Ori the Staravia. I had Berg the Bibero. I had Zephyr the Ponyta. And I had Odessa the Cranidos. I, I was feeling pretty good. Um, again, more useless encounters, uh, headed um, more um, uh, eastward again. Eastward? Yeah, eastward. Um, and then I realized that once I arrived in Hardhome City, I wouldn't be able to progress any further in the game until I beat the third gym. Unlike Diamond and Pearl, you face Fantina third instead of like fifth or whatever like you do in Diamond and Pearl, and she's a ghost type trainer. Um, I was a little bit worried about her team, but Odessa and Domino both had dark type moves, which was super effective against Ghost, and it was it was smooth. It was smooth. We got we got our third gym badge without much trouble. On the next route, after I beat the gym and passing Hard Home City, I had to keep heading eastward. Eastward, yeah. Um, I encountered a Roselia, which is the middle form of Budu. So Hibiscus had low-key returned from the dead. I managed to catch it and I decided to name it Biscus in honor of the fallen Hibiscus. I continued forward with the current, I didn't add Biscus to the team yet because I was still debating whether or not I was gonna use it. So I put it in the box, but I continued forward with this current team of five, making my way over to Salacion town. Um, so, there, there was an encounter I had in the town itself, but I just decided to bail on it because it almost killed Odessa. So I was like, no thanks. Um, on the route following Salacion town, I encountered a Scyther. 
Now, Scyther is a bug type Pokemon, and I know for a fact it's really good. And it's a type I didn't have. So I was like, you know, I've never, I've never really used a Scyther before, so I'd be interested. The thing with Nuzlocke, though, is there are some rules. Um, for example, there's something called Species Clause, which allows you to get uh, another chance at trying to catch something else on a route if you've caught something as part of the same evolutionary line. So technically I had other options outside of Roselia, but Roselia is a good Pokemon, so I decided that I didn't have to invoke Species Clause. And then there's also Dupes, where if you've already caught the Pokemon before, you do have the option of catching something else. So um, there's those things like that. One other like gray areas when it comes to Nuzlocke though, is whether or not you can trade Pokemon from your Nuzlocke game, like the one you're doing a Nuzlocke in, to another game to evolve your current Pokemon. It's a bit of a gray area, but I had the item I needed to evolve, Scyther. So I ended up trading between other games and welcomed Dice the Scizor to the team. Um, Zen Zen also returned um, from the dead in the form of a Kadabra, its middle stage. So I caught that too and named it Prong. Um, there were some close calls here and there, but we were doing swells. Dice was added to the team, so I had a full team of six now, and I did a lot of grinding for this size war. So I was training up, right, going through the other routes, um, preparing for the next gym. The fourth gym was a fighting type gym, the gym leaders may lean. I wasn't feeling too daunted, though. I was feeling pretty good. And then, when I headed to Veilstone City, which is where the gym is located, I decided I wanted to maybe battle some trainers on the route south of Veilstone and how uh, the shittiest thing happened. So I fought a trainer who had a level 30 gold bean. Now this is a first stage fish Pokemon. I am not scared of these things. I am now though. I sent out dice, used fury cutter, which is a bug type move. And it did about half to the Goldeen. That's when Goldeen used horn drill, which is a one hit KO move. The move has a 30% accuracy, but under the, there, there are even the, the accuracy, like the percentage of the accuracy shouldn't even matter because there, there is a separate calculation for how a one hit KO move does damage. And technically I should have lived, but because it's a one hit KO move, of course it landed and Dice fainted, joining the ranks of fallen team members. I remember being in genuine shock, like my jaw dropped and I was just so frustrated. So I quickly sent out Domino to finish the battle because type advantages. So the loss of dice led me to using Prong, who I traded to get an Alakazam. Same kind of gray area as getting the Scyther to a Scizor. But you know, I was like, okay, why not? Prong was gonna be a key team member for the upcoming gym. So I made sure to grind effectively. And then the worst thing happened again. It was so shitty, okay? Oh, sorry, headphone users. Um, I encountered a wild barrel who got a critical hit hyperfang on Prong, ending Prong's life, just right there. I just happened to be training and boom, dead. <laughs> I lost two team members within hours of each other and I wasn't feeling great. So from this point onwards, I decided that using a sixth Pokemon was actually a curse. So I decided to train up the remaining five team members. Here's the thing though. This was only my fourth gym, right? Maylene posed as a threat to my entire run, meaning that I would have to start over if things went south from here. With enough grinding, the levels wouldn't be difficult. The problem was the moves her Pokemon would get. So her Metatite and her Machoke, her Machoke both got Rock Tomb, which is, super, which is super effective against flying types, so Ori would be dead. Flying is super effective against fighting, so obviously I've taken all these things into consideration, but I also had to account for things that I could possibly be weak to. I evolved Zephyr into its final stage, a Rapidash, in preparation for her level 32 Lucario, which is fighting steel, fire super effective against steel, you know, that kind of thing. But then I learned that it gets Bone Club, which is a ground type move that can hit the opponent um, between two to five times, meaning it could do any amount of super effective damage to Zephyr 
and I wouldn't be able to recover in between. There are multiple moves like this where it can hit the opponent two to five times and it can, it's just a random number. Sometimes it'll get a low roll and it will be two, or sometimes it could get a max roll and it'll hit five times. But either way, it would be a problem for, for Zephyr. The same goes for Domino, who is also weak to ground. Berg, throughout it all, had been single-handedly carrying this team, not gonna lie. But Berg is a normal type, and at the end of the day, normal is still weak to fighting. So Berg would probably die to Maylene's team. Odessa, even though I evolved her into a Rampardos, wouldn't be able to take a single hit, being slower than all of Maylene's Pokemons and a uh, Pokemon, and also being weak to fighting because fighting is super effective against Brock. So I had this realization. Like Gardenia before, I realized that all hope was riding on Ori yet again to save the team. So with enough grinding, I evolved Ori into a Staraptor, I evolved and evolved Domino into a Luxray. So now my, so Ori was fully evolved and Domino was fully evolved. This was a critical time in the Nuzlocke and despite my losses so far, I had to come up with a plan. So I entered the gym with a lot of hesitation and fear. After sweeping the gym trainers, the moment of truth arrived. So Ori dealt with the Meditite and I decided just to be safe because I didn't want to risk losing Ori just only after beating one of her Pokemon. I sent in Domino to deal with the Machoke, which actually worked out. Then came the Lucario, but I was actually ready. I was a lot more confident because Meditite and Machoke were dealt with, I could deal with the Lucario. Ori was faster and attacked with close combat, killing the Lucario in one hit. So after all that stress, I managed to get my fourth gym badge and breathe a little easier. So as I traveled uh, to the next route and the next city, Pastorius uh, City, a thought hit me. If something were to happen to Domino, which I basically considered my starter Pokemon at this point because it was the second Pokemon I caught after getting my starter, I would have no way of dealing with water types and there was an emotional attachment to this Luxray now. Um, so Domino was very important to me and I didn't want to risk losing her. So I realized that while Ori had to take care of two gyms completely on her own, the next Pokemon to do that would be Domino since the next gym was a water type gym. So I decided that despite the amount of grinding I had to do, I sorely needed a sixth team member and insurance for Domino. Biscus was welcome to the team. So the thing with Biscus, the thing with Roselia, which is a real pain in the ass, is that you need a stone to evolve it into its final form, Roserade. Roserade is a very good Pokemon, but I knew that when I could acquire the stone to evolve Biscus wouldn't come until around the time of the seventh gym, meaning I still had two more, I still had like three more gyms in between before I could evolve this thing but I had to be patient and I had to keep Biscus alive. So I added Biscus to the team despite these reservations that I had. So uh, the grinding resumed and I got everyone up to level in preparation for Crasher Wake Pastoria City's gym leader. The gym was actually so smooth. Domino and Biscus handled the gym like real pros. Um, and now with this, what, two gyms or three gyms, I forget, anyways. But this fifth gym badge was mine. Oh, so it's two gyms. Sorry, I can't do math. Um, so Team Galactic, they're the villain team in this game. So I had faced them a couple times uh, along the way and um, they had fought me again after beating the gym or whatever. So after defeating a Galactic Grunt, uh, this, this lady named Cynthia met up with me to give me a secret potion, which cured some Pokemon of having a headache so I could head further north and go to this little town called Celestic Town. I became Cynthia's errand person for a hot minute and I had to deliver an old charm to Cynthia's grandmother. So great. Anyways, I headed north, faced a bunch of trainers 
And one ace trainer sent out an A-palm and this A-palm had the audacity to use aerial ace on Biscus. But don't worry, Biscus lived despite the type disadvantaging there. So um, Berg, Berg dealt with it, it all worked out. Um, again, more close calls with some of the trainers. Wasn't, wasn't so much fun. Uh, I almost lost Odessa, but it, it was okay. So then I headed towards Celestic Town. Once I was there, Cynthia's grandmother gave me a tour of the ruins that were in the town, which was nice, I guess. It was like stuff about like Sinnoh mythology and like balance and, and stuff. And yeah. And then while I was there, Cyrus, the leader, the boss of Team Galactic, he appeared and he basically peer pressured me into a battle. So battle him, I did. I beat him without too much trouble. And he said, as like part of the dialogue, he's like, oh, my proud, like your prowess is notable. And I literally, I said out loud, I'm like, heck yeah, of course, I have a pretty strong team. So of course you lost. So, um, oh no, wait, it's the sixth gym. Man, okay, I'm so disorganized, man. After buying a bunch of items, it was time to surf to Cantalave City, which is actually west of Jubilife City. So the way that it, it works in the game, you go around and around and then you work your way to like the westward side, which comes later in the game. I don't get that, but anyways, I had to head to Cantalave City, and but that meant I had a chance to catch more Pokemon. So I caught Gaschamp the Gastrodon, battled a couple trainers, fought Barry, and then once in Cantalave City, I took the local ferry and sailed on over to Iron Island to train. The thing is that this part of the game is technically optional, but it's a good chance to get levels, um, good items. Um, there's some stuff with Team Galactic, I think. So yeah, I caught Ortho the Golbat in there. And then I met this guy named Riley who basically did double battles with me for the duration of traveling through Iron Island, which is cool. Team Galactic continued their tomfoolery and a battle ensued against two grunts, but I had Riley with me. So Riley really carried, man. His Lucario was super strong. So um, yeah, Iron Island went well, but the best part about going to Iron Island and getting through the entire subterranean cave was this. It finally happened, folks. The stone I needed to evolve Viscus was located here. So as soon as I, I picked up the stone, I used it to evolve Viscus. Uh, so now Viscus was a Roserade. The team was officially complete. I now had Domino the Luxray. I had Ori the Staraptor. I had Berg the Barrel. I had Zephyr the Rapidash. I had Odessa the Cranidos. And now I had Viscus the Roserade. However, this was no time to celebrate or rest for the next gym awaited me in the gang. So uh, I grinded up a, a little, a tad bit more and I felt ready. The next gym was Byron and he used steel types, but he also used some rock types here and there. So I had coverage, I felt good. Um, I put Domino and Ori in the box just to be safe because typically the Pokemon that I'd face in the gym would get ground type moves or rock type moves. So I just wanted to be safe. Um, this gym, I'm gonna be completely honest. I thought losing Tiffin was hard, but nothing before this gym compares to the loss I felt losing this team member. So I battled all the gym trainers and then it was time to face Byron. So his Steelix and the Magnemite were not threats, but then came out his ace, his Bastiodon. I kept Berg out and though she had some damage done, I was sure she could tank whatever hit. Um, would like whatever damage would be dealt to her. So I used Surf on it. It did about like around half health or so to the Bastiodon. And then Bastiodon used this move called Metal Burst, which I forgot that it can learn. Metal Burst is a counter type move. So it means it goes second. 
which hits the opponent with 1.5 times the amount of damage that was done to it. So it was like, I don't, again, I don't quite know the math, but it, it wasn't quite double the amount of damage to it. I did enough damage that basically using this move on me, it KO'd Berg. I have had Berg since the beginning. Berg was a mother to this team. You know, she, she carried, she, she helped train up everyone. She, she, she came in clutch for so many double battles and gyms. Cause when I needed someone to fall back on in case I was worried I was going to lose someone, I could always go to Berg. She was good. And I, I was so sad and so upset that I lost her that way. Maybe if I had healed, she would have been alive, but there was nothing I could do. She will be missed dearly, but her sacrifice would not have been in vain. I had to fill the, you know, the thing is that I beat the gym, you know, at what cost though, right? So I had to fill the hole that Berg left behind. So I brought Gas Champ onto the team. Gas Champ was around 10 levels lower than the rest of my team. So a ton of grinding awaited for me. The payoff would be huge though, because Gastrodon is a water ground type Pokemon, which means it is immune because ground is immune to electric. It was immune to one of water typing's primary weaknesses. I knew it would be good once I had it, but training it took so long. Days of grinding passed and Gas Champ was basically on par with the rest of the team. So while in Candleleaf City, Barry dragged me down to the library where Professor Rowan was ranting about Pokemon and evolution in his work, getting all philosophical. And then um, he was telling me, Barry, and his forgettable assistant, Lucas, um, uh, uh, that we had to research three mythical Pokemon said to reside at the three lakes located in Sinnoh. So there's Lake Verity, Lake Acuity, and Lake Valor. I don't know, he thinks those Pokemon will answer the questions to like on evolution or some shit like that, I don't know. Um, so we were each, the three of us were each tasked to go to a lake. Lucas was to go to Lake Verity, which was super close to Candleleaf. Barry was to go to the far north at Lake Acuity. And because the plot kicks in, I was supposed to go to Lake Valor. Then the TV that was playing in the little library in this in, in, in Candleleaf City, the TV suddenly broadcast that an explosion went off at Lake Valor. Gee golly, I can only wonder why an explosion went off at the lake that I need to go to. And because I am a 10 year old fully equipped to deal with explosions, I guess, off we go. I went on over to Lake Valor, which is south of Veilstone City. I went um, to Lake Valor um, and faced three galactic grunts in this dried up lake. Basically the explosion they caused it like, it. It dried up the entire lake, so there's no water. Um, and then I faced the Team Galactic Admin Saturn. So I felt a little stressed, but the battle actually went okay. I decided to do a little bit more grinding because I didn't like that feeling of holding my breath every time I battled a major trainer, even when there was no particular reason to worry. Thing is, I was using a full team of six still. Fingers crossed the team was looking good. I headed on over to Lake Verity after dealing with the shenanigans at Lake Valor which was the next place the Team Galactic decided to attack. Basically, they're being ship disturbers. There were a ton of double battles ahead, but you know, it went, it went all right. And then I faced, at the end of it, the Team Admin Mars. There's always, there's so many admins for Team Galactic, I don't get it. Anyways, um, her team was a little bit annoying, but you know, like her ace was a Peregli, which is this cat Pokemon. Odessa dealt with it like a pro and we were sailing. It was finally time to conquer the northern half of Sinnoh and head towards Lake Acuity. It'd be some time before some new encounters, but you know, that was fine. After stocking up on some items, I entered Mount Coronet, which is the major mountain pass that basically divides the region and the only way to go farther north. 
Um, I encountered a snowbird on Route 216, which is like covered in snow and stuff. Um, and it's a grass ice, not great typing, but I figured, you know, when a, a, a Pokemon's a Pokemon, I'll take it. So the thing is that it gets this ability called Snow Cloak or something, and it's snowing in this part of Sinnoh. So it's able to evade attacks better. Its evasiveness is, is higher, so I can't always land a hit. I wasn't able to like use any kind of status moves on it or anything, so that was kind of annoying. Um, and I accidentally used a critical, I it was a critical hit stomp from Zephyr. Um, so I accidentally killed the encounter, which was which sucked. Then I faced a trainer who had an ambipom, which is the evolution of an apom, ironically. I this These monkeys, I don't know, I, I don't have a good history with them. Ambipom almost killed Gaschamp. I was freaking out, almost. Gaschamp didn't die, but it was close. And then, then I sent out Zephyr, and it almost killed Zephyr as well. I did not know who to send out because I was worried no matter who I switched into, they weren't gonna be able to take a hit. I was just gonna get a repeat of what happened to Gaschamp and what happened to Zephyr, and I wasn't feeling so great about that. So. I had this silliest strategy. I just healed up Zephyr repeatedly as a stall tactic um, until I felt like I could attack it. But the thing is it kept getting critical hits and critical hits do slightly more damage than the move should normally do. So that meant I wasn't gonna get, if I was, I don't think I was faster than it either. So if I attacked and it didn't kill, then I would lose Zephyr and I didn't wanna do that. So because there's, it's snowing in this part of the region, hail is a weather effect, so it was doing like chip damage to us both. So I just kept healing up Zephyr until the hail basically killed the Ambathon. That was super annoying and I beat the rest of the team. Then I faced a bunch of other trainers, but the thing is that it, because you're basically walking through snow in this part of the game, I was getting super irritable. So I was just like, I, I'm gonna come back and face all these trainers. I, let me go to the next city, heal up, and then I'll come back and face them. Um, so that was my plan to skip the trainer battles, to the best of my abilities and wait until I could keel up the team, you know? That plan went to like shit right away since there was a trainer, I couldn't avoid it all and I had, but I dealt with them. And literally, just as I was about to make it out of this snow-laden route, a trainer managed to see me uh, because this particular area that I was in was not only covered in snow, it was like heaps of snow. It went up until like the character sprite's head. So you moved even slower through it. Um, so I couldn't move out of the way in time and this freaking trainer was skiing. So they like caught up to me. Anyways, I dealt with them too. So after I beat them, yet another unavoidable trainer battle began. And I just did not know why I couldn't catch a break. I was so salty guys. Um, after what felt like years, I arrived in Snowpoint City, which is the, the city that was close to Lake Acuity. And the next task was to face the ice type gym leader, Candace, before dealing with the shenanigans occurring at Lake Acuity. It was back to grinding. So I bypassed, like I had, I think two other encounters to get um, close to um, Snowpoint City. So I found a Snover again, but this time I caught it and I named her Jilbert. Then I went back to the other route that I missed an encounter on and I found a swine up and that there its final form is a mammoth swine, which I really like. I really love that Pokemon. Um, I used a quick ball on it and caught it instantly. We ain't playing games here. And I named it Dibs. Then it was back to grinding. Then I also decided that, you know what, if something happens to one of my team members, having a mammoth swine would be great. So then I, I, I grinded, trained it up, got the levels and evolved it into a mammoth swine just to be safe. So I had a really solid backup in in the box now, which is great. So um, 
after grinding up the team, because now I was preparing to face the gym, I put Ori and Biscus in the box because grass and flying are both weak to ice. So I wasn't taking any chances with, um, you know, my team, you know? And then I, I was gonna face the seventh gym now. Deep breaths, deep breaths, you know? So the first trainer I faced had a Glalie. It sent, I sent out Odessa, but this freaking Pokemon, this Glalie landed a critical hit ice beam, froze Odessa and almost killed Odessa. So though Odessa lived just barely, mind you, she was frozen and it would take an extra turn to heal her up fully. So a, a strategy I employ when I face gyms is I bring on disposable Pokemon onto the party. So obviously I'd freed up some space by boxing Ori and Biscus. So there was a Geodude that I caught a lot earlier in the game. It was like level six. So obviously this was a useless Pokemon, fated to die. I sent out the Geodude um, to take one for the team while I switched into Zephyr to finish off the Glalie. Zephyr was gonna be my ace for this gym because fire is super effective against ice. That's the logical thing. So I was banking everything on making sure that Zephyr would handle everything. I was sweeping the gym and then suddenly things got really scary. The last trainer uh, that I had to face sent out a Piloswine and it used Earthquake, which is super effective against fire types. Zephyr, like a freaking mad lad, lived on 22 hit points. My goodness, I was so blown away. I thought I had lost Zephyr right then and there, but I had not. And I knew that Zephyr was a keeper when he lived that. I switched into Gas Champ and survived, so the Piloswine was dealt with. I did not want to lose the star of the gym right before facing the gym leader. I would feel like such an idiot. What was really ironic and funny was the gym battle against like, like against Candace was the easiest battle out of the entire gym. Zephyr and Gaschamp handled Candace's team like it was no problem and the seventh gym badge was mine. So I had made a sizable amount of progress both in the Nuzlocke and in the game and I was feeling proud of myself. So being on this adrenaline rush, I felt it was necessary to proceed in the game and see what was happening at Lake Acuity. So Barry lost to one of the other admins named Jupiter um and she hints at going back to the galactic headquarters the hq in balestone city so i flew on over um to there and of course a lot of battles followed me you know um my but my infiltration of the hideout began and i still had everyone on the team everyone was still alive right so power of 10 year old i tell you the fate of the world rests in the hands of children after tons of battles and wandering around the the headquarters through warp panels and stuff like that i arrived at the room where cyrus was giving like a speech or something to like his brainless followers it was kind of funny i guess i don't know um he rants about how people suck and the world must change after a couple more battles and wandering around the time finally came to face cyrus yet again on his home turf the battle went fairly smoothly and as a reward for beating him he gave me the Master Ball. This is a Pokemon. This is a Pokeball that catches Pokemon without fail. I don't know why he would give that away, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not complaining. And you know, next, and then after facing him, me being the benevolent ten-year-old that I am, I went to go save the mythical Pokemon he had trapped for his own experiments and purposes. Before I could save them, Commander Saturn challenged me to a battle. And you know, it was, if I felt like it was a long day, I was just tired but I wiped, I wiped the floor with Saturn's team, honestly. Everyone handled it like pros. Easy battle. Having beat him, I was able to free the three mythical Pokemon. These were the three Pokemon that 
Professor Rowan wanted to research, but obviously Cyrus had like imprisoned them and stuff. So only now were they freely moving about. So the next step was to head to Mount Corrin to prevent Cyrus from ending the universe and like the world and stuff. It's not fun. So the legendary Pokemon Palkia controls space, the legendary Pokemon Dialga controls time, and Cyrus wanted to control these two legendary Pokemon to end literally everything. So in order for me to be prepared enough for a final battle with him, I realized more grinding was needed. It's not like I needed to grind too much, but it would be just enough grinding that it was going to be tedious and also take a while. So after all the training was done, I made my way over to Mount Coronet, where there's, again, various different passages in Mount Coronet that lead to different places. And I had to enter into the mountain this very specific way to get to this area that Cyrus was going to. I had to fight a ton of galactic grunts along the way, so that was easy. Um, I was then approached by admins Mars and Jupiter who were pissed at the number of times I beat them individually. So they wanted revenge um, on me because I'm just so strong. Barry came to help me out and he helped, he helped me deal with them. So they would beat a ton of stall tactics from Jupiter and Mars, but Barry and I, we got through it. Like a real pal, he healed my team after the battle. Now Cyrus, being the dude he is, wishes to reset, reset the world to zero and he successfully uh, summons Dialga and Palkia uh, to Sinnoh in order to give him the power to reset the world using this wonky device called the Red Chain. So the mythical Pokemon I saved earlier, Yuxi, Azelf, and Mesprit, came, uh, they, they come up to stop Cyrus in like a last ditch effort, and he kind of laughs at them. He's like, ah, these fools, they think they're a weak Pokemon, they can't stop me. Um, and then suddenly, things go dark and not according to his plan. A giant shadow Pokemon appears from this portal that he, he created, summoned, I don't know. Um, uh, and this giant shadow Pokemon, it, it comes out of this portal and sucks Cyrus into a different dimension. Cynthia arrived in time to explain the lore of Sinnoh and these legendary Pokemon. So Dialga and Palkia, creators of Sinnoh and the universe, or among some of the creators of the universe, um, were born in an ancient past, but not without the company of this mysterious shadow behemoth known as Giratina, who rules over this alternate dimension known as the Distortion World. Cynthia explains that if we don't stop Cyrus and Giratina, Sinnoh itself will be touched by the Distortion World's powers, conflating reality with this dimension and destroying everything. It's like Sinnoh, along with the rest of the world, will just implode on itself because the world is being distorted by the Distortion World. So what what is world anymore? Who knows? Um, the only individual capable capable of handling such a task is, of course, my 10 year old self. We jump into the distortion world for the ultimate showdowns between me and the game's villain. And then following that, me and the shadow dragon, the Pokemon you see on the box art, Giratina. So the distortion world is a gigantic puzzle, always really tedious, annoying, really ominous music that plays. Cynthia tells us about more, um, uh, more lore and stuff and how we should find Giratina. And Cyrus was also somewhere in there. So, um, Anyways, I, I came across him at some point, super philosophical talks, it, not important. I continued forward, met up with Cynthia. I solved a stupid puzzle of pushing boulders into a hole to proceed forward. It, it is what it is. Then, as we're nearing Giratina's location, Cynthia and I, we ran into Cyrus and the two start ideologically arguing. He challenges me to a battle, refusing to accept the reality that he has lost. And I was excited to kick his ass. Gas Champ washed away his Hound Doom easily. Domino dominated her battle against the Gyarados. Zephyr flamed his Weavile. And, and then this happened. 
I sent out Odessa against his Honchkrow and Odessa almost died. It landed a critical hit Night Slash, which got um, Odessa down to like 31 hit points, which is very little. Then it used Psychic, which didn't do quite as much. And, and you know, I was healing up Odessa, don't worry. Um, but Odessa was able to rock the Honchkrow out of the battle. His final Pokemon was a Crobat, but we already know that Domino was going to reign superior. So I emerged victorious. Cyrus whines about losing and storms off and Cynthia literally says, don't listen to him, he's full of shit. I, obviously I'm paraphrasing, but like she says something along those lines. Cynthia explains that now is the time to confront Giratina and like the awesome woman she is, she healed up my team. She further explains that if I defeat it or catch it, the world will return to normal and be safe again. I like the thought of having the Giratina, even if I wasn't planning on using it. It would be solid backup in case I lost any member of my team. I was not about to go through the trouble of losing tons of Pokeballs trying to capture this thing. And I didn't want to risk losing anyone in the process because it's a Giratina, it's freaking strong. So I caught it using the never failing Master Ball and named it Quilt. So Cyrus, who's still kind of hanging around, was appalled I was even able to catch it. I was not surprised at all. I used the one Pokeball that never fails and he gave it to me. I don't know why this is such a surprise to him anyways. I left through the portal um, to find this new location with Cynthia called the Send Off Spring, which was, apparently was this linkage between the mortal realm and the distortion world. No one gives a shit. So Cynthia thanks me on behalf of all Sinnoh and I, I accepted that I was like, thanks. So after all this lore heavy stuff and story, it was kind of time to return back to the game. I had an encounter here at the Sendoff Spring. It was a Graveler, but Gravelers get moves like Explosion and I didn't want this thing to like blow up my team. Uh, so I just killed it out of fear. Um, I flew on back to Sand Gem Town to have a chat with Rowan, who encourages me to challenge the Pokemon League because I'm crazy strong. That was the plan, Chief. All that was left to do in the main story now was to defeat the final gym in Sunny Shore City and then face the Pokemon League. So um, I encountered a Golduck at Lake Valor, now that the water levels were back to normal, caught it and named it Trig. I went over to Lake Acuity and encountered a Sneasel, but I accidentally killed it. I decided that since I was at the lake, at Lake Acuity, I mean, I would catch the mythical Pokemon Uxie there. After I freed them, each, all three of them returned to their respective lakes and, you know, I'd love for some power in the PC. Good, solid backups. I successfully caught it and named it Capricorn. I went to Lake Verity to catch Mesprit, but Mesprit, unlike the other two, doesn't stay put. So it'd be a roaming Pokemon and I didn't want to go through the trouble of hunting this thing to try and catch it. So I was just like, eh, I'll just, I'll just let it be. Um, so uh, knowing how scary the final one was as elf, I decided to save that encounter for later because I needed to still grind up some more. On the route towards Sunny Shore City, I found a Floatzel, caught it, and named it Yams. After battling a couple more trainers, I was just about to enter Sunny Shore when a redhead named Flint approached me and said to help increase the gym leader's confidence because the gym leader was depressed. This dude named Flint, he was actually an Elite Four member, so gay, I guess. It was back to grinding. And I decided that in between grinding, since I finally got the levels up, I would catch the Azul, which I barely managed to do. I named it Swish. And then it was back to grinding. After literal hours, if you total it up, literal hours of grinding, it was time to take on the gym, but not before boxing Ori, because Ori would suffer in this gym. The eighth and final gym was an electric type gym. We aren't playing games here. So Gaschamp is a water ground type, meaning she's fully immune. She is gonna be fine. Perfect timing for this last gym. 
right off the bat, the first trainer in the gym had a Pachirisu, which used Super Fang on Gas Champ and did about half health. Why are these freaking tiny ass electric mice so strong? The Gas Champ dealt with it like a pro. Still kind of scary. I don't like that. <laughs> other than that trainer, the other gym trainers are actually really easy to get through. It was finally time to face the final gym. It was time to face Volkner, the final gym leader, but I felt ready. I trained my team up hard. I had a genuine strategy. So here's my strategy, right? So because Volkner's Electivire, his ace, scared me, I needed to set up. I had I had I had some like slowly damaging plays in mind. So I sent out Biscus against his Jolteon to set up Toxic Spike so that whenever he sent switched into other Pokemon, they get poisoned. So it'd do slowly do damage over time uh, in case I couldn't one hit KO anything. So it's like that, it was like almost like insurance, you know? There was some stalling at first and I beat the Jolteon without much issue. Gas Champ defeated the Raichu even after taking a critical hit focus blast. That was kind of scary, but it was okay. So I brought out Peel the Wingull, which is again, one of like those really early encounters I got, probably level 10 or some crap. I brought Peel the Wingull in case I needed to sack off someone to sacrifice and I unfortunately had to sac uh, sacrifice the Wingle. He sent out his ace, the Electivire, sooner than I thought, and I was worried I wouldn't be able to take a hit from it. So I didn't want to lose Gas Champ, switched into Peel, healed Gas Champ, and then Peel fainted in battle. So despite this worry, I actually had nothing to worry about. So Odessa doubled down on the um, Electivire, and then Gas Champ finished off his Luxray. The Toxic Spike strategy turned out to be only somewhat helpful because it was not doing that much to the Electivire, Electivire, which was the one I was planning to use all these setups against, but it, you know, it was fine, it was fine. Um, the eighth and final gym badge was mine. So the route that was north of Sunny Shore was just water. So it's just a waterway route, basically. This route was one of the last couple of routes I could potentially catch Pokemon on. So I figured I'll just get that over with. I caught a Tentacruel and I managed to catch it and named it Dean. I was feeling pretty good about myself at this point in the Nuzlocke. Everyone was at level 55. I hadn't lost a major team member in a very long time, not since Canalave, which is a, a long time ago in this game. Um, I knew more grinding awaited me, but I still felt good. Still, I couldn't help but feel nervous because I knew who the champion was and I knew how scary their team would be. Even if I was 10 levels higher than their highest level Pokemon, I still wouldn't feel safe. This champion is legendary for being super strong. Um, so I decided to heal up the team before heading out to sea and facing trainers and surfing to the Pokemon League. The Nuzlocke was getting very close to ending, folks. After beating the trainers along the way, I decided to get my encounter at the Pokemon League. Um, uh, it, was a, it was a fish. It was a Remoraid. I caught it, named it Seth, didn't care about it. An enormous amount of grinding awaited me. I wasn't exactly looking forward to that because I just feel like that's all I did during this Nuzlocke. So Victory Road is this kind of subterranean area that's like a passage between um, the initial healing area that the players first go to and then get to the Pokemon League facility itself. So you need to get through Victory Road before you can get to that building. Um, so I still had basically one encounter, one major encounter left. And it was an Onyx. The, the one from the Orberg mine had come back to haunt me, I guess. But this time I had Pokeballs and I had a team that could take a hit. So things were different now. I, su I successfully caught it and named it Taz. 
it was now, as I have repeatedly said, it was now time at this point in the game to grind for a very, 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 very long time. So Gas Champ, she, you know, she was like the responsible mother of the team, you know? So whenever I had to train up someone, she was there to help out. Um, and she, she was so important to me training up the rest of my team, Gas Champ, MVP, you know? So my plan was a two-phase grind uh, session for the team. The first phase would be done before beating all the trainers in Victory Road. So by the time I was face all the trainers, everyone would be at level 60. The second phase would be completed after beating beating everyone in Victory Road. So getting the team to around level 65 in preparation for the Elite Four and Champion. So this plan assumed, obviously, that all my team members would survive. This isn't to say I didn't have backup Pokemon, obviously, if things went south. But one thing was for sure. This is something that I learned while training up the team. Gas Champ had to survive, no matter what. Under no circumstance could I lose my ace. Because Gas Champ became, like, quickly became the highest level Pokemon on my team. With this plan in, in place, I felt confident in the final phase of my Nuzlocke. So... I ran into a trainer along the way that was giving me some problems. It was There was a Licky Licky. Yeah, that's an actual Pokemon. A Licky Licky Power Whipped, which is a grass type move, Gas Champ, and almost killed her. Uh, but I sent out Ori to finish it off. So that was like probably the closest call I had. Um, while in Victory Road, the rest of the trainers were pretty easy to deal with. And I'd finally arrived at the Pokemon League. Once inside, I decided to face Barry for the last time before I confront the Pokemon League, or basically before I was gonna grind again. Um, and it, it was fairly okay. So I dealt with his Staraptor, because he also had a Staraptor. I dealt with that, but his Snorlax gave me trouble with the repeated use of the move Body Slam, which paralyzed me each time I hit. Body Slam doesn't always have a guaranteed um, chance to paralyze the opponent, but it has a high chance, but for some reason, all the luck was on Barry's side, so he kept paralyzing whoever I sent out. So it landed a critical hit on Gas Champ at one point, who I believed was the only member of my team that could take the hit, so I was getting worried, right? So between all this like luck on Barry's side, these critical hits were getting real scary, and I had no genuine idea. Like, I had no idea what to do. Then I came up with a master plan. Want to know what it is? Stall until it runs out of body slams, because I know that thing only has 15 moves, it can only use a maximum, like it can only use body slam a maximum of 15 times. So I just wait until it runs out. And that strategy ended up, like it ended up working out since it started using another move that had Earthquake, which Gas Champ resists. So I got a critical hit surf on the Snorlax and honestly, bless Gas Champ, you know? His last Pokemon was a Heracross, which is a crazy good bug type Pokemon that can learn all kinds of moves that could wreck my entire team. So I sent out Zephyr. The thing is that Zephyr's strongest move was Fire Blast, but the thing is Fire Blast does have a chance to miss. So if I miss, I think Zephyr would have died. But thankfully, Zephyr being the great fire horse that it is, he landed the hit successfully to one-hit KO the Heracross. My last battle with my rival was now complete. Um, so I did backtrack to like other routes that I had missed along the way to see if I could get more encounters, but it didn't actually end up matter. It, it didn't matter in the end. So I just decided, yeah, I'm just going to keep this current team. We're good. So I, 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 I went back to grinding, obviously. After literal days, you could total up the entire grinding experience of the second phase plan that I had, and it would equate to roughly a day, give or take. 
everyone was finally on level. I had everyone at about 64, like level 64 or 65. Um, Gas Champ was at like 71, which is amazing. I was finally ready to face the Elite Four and the champion. My levels might've been great, but I was still anxious. I could only hope that my, I can only hope now at this point in my run that my wonderful team would make it out to the other side. So first up was Aaron, the bug type trainer. So Zafer dealt with the Yon Mega, which I, and then I switched into um, uh, Odessa for the next Pokemon because I needed to heal up Zafer. After stalling for about two turns after taking some damage, Odessa was healed and then one hit KO'd um, Aaron's Vespaquin. Next was the Scizor, which Zafer dealt with easily because Scizor is like quad weak to fire because it's bug steel. So I was like, you know, I got, I got this covered. The worry now was how to deal with her hair across, which got, uh, sorry, his hair across, which got a uh, stone edge. And obviously rock is a problem for a lot of members on my team. Um, once again, it was like a repeat of the battle with Barry. Zafer successfully one hit KO'd the hair across with fire blast, bless Zafer. I switched into Odessa for his final Pokemon, the Drapion. It landed a critical hit X scissor, which almost did half. And, but I wasn't too worried. Odessa was slower and it landed dig ground type move two turn move for some reason dig did not kill so i had to stall until it stopped landing critical hits and then odessa, odessa eventually after enough stalling odessa finished off the drapion with headbutt one down three more elite four members to go next was bertha the ground type trainer i'd say she was the one i was least concerned with in terms of facing the elite four so i was like okay um i led with viscous um to deal with her Whiskash, which Viscous easily one hit KO'd. I switched to Gas Champ for her Gliscor. It landed an Earthquake, did some damage, but as we know, we needed Gas Champ alive, so I was going to be playing it very safe. I needed a turn to heal up Gas Champ, so I switched back to Viscous. I Giga Drained the Gliscor, but it managed to live on one health point. I used Giga Drain again after she healed up the Gliscor, but this time it did one hit, um, uh, one hit KO. So that, that was good. The golem that she sent out suffered the same fate at the hands of Viscus getting Giga Drain. And I decided to keep Viscus in for her ace, the Rhyperior, and bless Viscus's soul. Um, we also got a one hit KO on her ace. Two down, two more to go. Next was Flint, the fire type trainer. Odessa took care of his Houndoom, easy peasy. Tiffin kind of returned from the dead symbolically as his next Pokemon was an Infernape, which would have that would have been what Tiffin would be if they lived and, and made it to the third stage. This Pokemon had just about anything to counter my entire team. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna try and play it safe. Ori was gonna take this thing on. Much like the other battles with Lucario's in the past, Ori did me proud and one hit KO'd the Inferni. Gaschamp also one hit KO'd the Magmortar, which was the biggest threat to my team. And then for Flint's Rapidash, I switched to Odessa. Though it was a bit of a risk. It flare blitzed me, but it didn't do too much damage. After some stalling, Odessa landed a hit um, and uh, defeated the Rapidash. Last was his Flareon, which I knew Odessa could handle. After a couple turns of stalling, Odessa landed the Rock Slide and the battle was done. I had beaten three Elite Four members. Only one more remained before the champion. The last Elite Four member was Lucian, a Psychic type trainer. This was the member, the Elite Four member I was most scared to face. This is the time that I was worried I might lose someone. I had faith, the team was doing well, we had everyone, we were good, but that didn't mean I wasn't scared. It was now Domino's time to shine. 
Mr. Mime fainted in one hit, so that was great, but the next one wouldn't be so easy. Though this came at a risk, I switched to Zephyr to deal with the Bronzong, um, and it was dealt with. The next Pokemon is the one I was most scared of, his, his Gallade. Like Magic Mortar and Rhyperior before it, this Pokemon had moves that were bad for my entire team. Taking yet another risk, I switched into Ori. Ori, MVP, man. For the Elite Four battles, what would I do without Ori? I don't know. Ori, like a pro, one hit KO'd the Gallade. That was surprisingly anticlimactic though at the time. The Alakazam, he had used Psychic on Domino, which was a little scary, but Domino dealt with it. Just to be safe, I, um, and to heal up Domino, I switched back to Zephyr, so then I'd get a turn. And this was during the battle against his final Pokemon, I believe. So I entered a state of shock. Like I literally jumped out of my seat and just like had to process this. I entered a state of shock as Zephyr was hit with Psychic from Lucian's Espeon. The Psychic attack landed a critical hit and Zephyr fainted. Zephyr was gone, but it was so it was so heartbreaking. I didn't have time to mourn at all. It was so shocking. I didn't know how to process it. And just like that, I had lost him. So I I sent out Odessa um, because out of the remaining out of the remaining five that I had, Odessa was technically the Pokemon I needed the least to face the champion. But I of course I still wanted to keep everyone alive. So um, I I had to stall out a little bit, a bunch of turns. Um, uh, Psychic kept doing a lot of damage. The RNG was not on my side when I was facing this Espeon, but Odessa did live. Um, I ended up stalling it out until it ran out of moves for Psychic and then the Espeon was finally defeated. I had beat the fourth Elite Four member, but at the cost of Zephyr's life. Zephyr was really amazing. Just like Berg before him, they really, you know, he really carried it sometimes. He was very important for so many trainer battles. I really was gonna miss Zephyr and I wanted to win this Nuzlocke so badly now to honor Zephyr's memory. So surprise, surprise, the champion was none other than Cynthia, the woman who told me about Pokemon mythology, the woman who made me her errand kid for a hot minute and the woman who traveled through the distortion world with me, that, that was the champion. Her team is infamous for how strong and balanced it is and I was quaking. But you know, I'd come this far and I wasn't about to lose. So for you, Zafer, I will win. Here's how it went, folks. So what happened was I uh, sent out the Domino, sorry, I sent out Domino to deal with her spirit tomb. It was dealt with. Her ace was a Garchomp, level 62. My ace was Gaschamp, level 71. And I had Ice Beam on Gaschamp. So um, I sent it out, dealt with it, and it was fine. And the thing is that I was more worried for the other Pokemon on her team, but uh, for some reason her ace was surprisingly easy and then the Togekiss that followed was not. Her Togekiss had four moves that like other Pokemon before her, like before the Togekiss would be a problem for my team. It got Air Slash, which is a problem for Biscus. It got Water Pulse, which is a problem for Odessa. Um, it got, um, it got Shockwave, which was a problem for Ori. Um, and oh, what was its last move? Anyways, it, it just had, it was just such a problem for my team. So I, um, I didn't know who to use against it. So 
and Domino wasn't fully healed because Domino did take some damage while facing the Spirit Tomb. So, um, Odessa, I was like, okay, I don't want to lose anyone, but I think Odessa is the smart choice here because I don't know what I'm going to do if I lose anyone else because I knew what I knew who Cynthia had left on her team to face but I needed everyone else that was still on my team. So I took a risk, sent out Odessa, right? Or a sphere, that was its move because that's what it used when I sent out Odessa. Odessa is weak to fighting, but Odessa lived this, and uh, like with very little health. So I didn't know what to do. So what I did was for a bunch of turns, I just stalled. So I just kept healing up. It kept using Aura Sphere or Water Pulse and stuff, fluctuating between the two. Eventually, it, like, it just kept using it. And I was like, I need to come up with a strategy because this is not a viable option. The thing is between Aura Sphere and Water Pulse, two moves that were both super effective against Odessa, each had 20 moves. So between the two, there would be 40 attacks. And even though I had lots of healing items, that would be a lot of healing items to burn just to wait and stall out for one Pokemon's move. I had to do something in the short term to deal with this thing. Because once again, Domino wasn't fully healed and the other Pokemon that could deal with the Togekiss was Gaschamp who also wasn't fully healed. And I know I've been ranting about healing and stalling and stuff for a long time, but basically what was happening was I had to keep healing up Odessa so I didn't have a chance to heal up anyone else. So, I took a risk. Despite knowing this thing has air slash, I sent out Biscus. Biscus, guys. Biscus. My Roserade. I sent out Biscus. It used Water Pulse because the AI was still assuming that I would keep in Odessa, which is a rock type. Grass resists water, so it didn't do too much damage. It was a risk. It was a risk, a big risk, but I healed up either Domino or Gaschamp um, in those turns. And I just had to pray that Biscus would live the Air Slash. My goodness, it landed the Air Slash and Biscus lived with health to spare. And I was, I cheered, I like jumped up. I was sitting on the floor while doing this and playing on like my, my DS and stuff. And I just, I jumped up out of excitement. I was so genuinely surprised and happy. I was so happy Biscus didn't die. So then I had to come up again with a strategy. So because Water Pulse has a chance to confuse the opponent, the RNG was on Cynthia's side, obviously. So it managed to confuse me and I did have a strategy now, but it was high risk because if it didn't land, I could potentially lose Biscus. So um, after I think healing up the necessary team members, what I did was I, despite being confused, I used Stun Spore, which is a move I've, I was using on Biscus for a long time. It will paralyze the opponent if it lands and when paralysis kicks in sometimes, because it doesn't always stall out the opponent, but when it does work, the opponent won't attack. So I landed Stun Spore, despite being confused, because if you're if a Pokemon is confused, sometimes it has a chance to hit itself. Um, Biscus broke through the confusion, landed the Stun Spore, paralyzed the Togekiss, and even though the Togekiss still landed the Air Slash, all I needed to do was wait up until um, it was, um, paralyzed, meaning that it wouldn't attack me and I'd have time to heal up the team. Yeah, I don't believe Gaschamp was fully healed at this point. I still needed one more turn to heal up Gaschamp. So after enough stalling, Biscus was healed, Gaschamp was healed. I was able to safely switch to Gaschamp. Gaschamp used Ice Beam, super effective against flying and Togekiss is, uh, I think, normal flying or something. And the Togekiss was dead and that was it.
it, I, the biggest problem I had to deal with was dealt with. So the remaining team members um, were surprisingly easy. Next was her Lucario. And you're probably getting deja vu just like me at this point. Once again, Ori used close combat and dealt with her Lucario expertly. I believe her last Pokemon was a... I feel like I'm missing a Pokemon, but I, I think her last Pokemon was a Milotic. And Domino, who is super strong by the way, was able to like Thunderbolt or whatever, whatever move I used, dealt with her um, Milotic easily. And that was it. That she was beat. The Platinum Nuzlocke challenge was complete. She walked me into the Hall of Fame, put all of my Pokeballs on the little dock. Everyone was inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was the new champion. My team was Domino the Luxray, Ori the, the Staraptor, Gaschamp the Gastrodon, Viscus the Roserade, and Odessa the, the Rampartos. <laughs> it was done. I was so incredibly happy. I had beaten my first ever Nuzlocke and Gen 4 games have a very nostalgic place in my heart. Like they, I think of Gen Generation 4 games. So the games that came up between 2006 to 2009, Platinum being 2009, I was elated. I was so ridiculously happy. I had so much fun despite how stressful this was and all of the relative close calls I had. And, you know, I had a good number of deaths, mostly just because I like I had things like using the Geodude and the Wingull to send in to like sacrifice someone or even Zen Zen as early as the first gym in the very beginning of the game. So uh, most of my losses, like the team members I lost came down to that. The major team, the major team members I did lose was my starter Tiffin, um, Berg the Barrel, and then finally at the very end, which was still shitty for me, at the very end Zafer the Rapidash. So Safer was technically inducted into the Hall of Fame too, but you know, he was great. That's, that was my team. That was my Platinum Nuzlocke run. Um, I had a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it for people um, if they want to spice up their Pokemon gameplay. It definitely makes things a lot interesting. Um, I always kept a tracker for all the routes to make sure that I didn't, I didn't forget to catch something or it, like whether or not I already caught something there. I kept track of everything. I was very good about keeping a good record and making sure I was playing the game legitimately and following all the rules. And, you know, there's multiple ways to play in Nuzlocke. This is the way I ended up playing it. And it honestly went really well. I was very pleased with myself. And honestly, I can't wait to do it again. I had so much fun with Nuzlocke. And I hope whoever ends up listening to this has fun with theirs too.